This episode of Brand Growth Heroes is supported by Strong Roots. Strong Roots believes food can be better for you and for the planet. Their end goal? To fix the freezer aisle for good. I love Strong Roots for so many reasons, but particularly because their exciting product innovation and inspired branding has revolutionised freezer aisles across the globe in only six years. So this season, with Strong Roots support, Brand Growth Heroes will continue to champion the founders of insurgent brands on their own scale-up journey. Thanks again to Strong Roots, simple, real food. Welcome to Brand Growth Heroes, the podcast that explores how insurgent brands in consumer goods categories are driving transformational growth. Here our guests talk not only about their brand purpose or why, but also how where they play, who they employ, and how they work has driven their incredible success. Waterdrop is a micro drinks company that offers dissolvable cubes of flavour that you can carry with you and then drop into tap water whenever you want to drink. Their flavour cubes are plant-based, sugar-free and even include vitamins, teas and energy. The cube kind of becomes a carrier offering a solution to many needs. Waterdrop's purpose is to make it easy for everyone to drink more clean and tastier tap water. The ecosystem of products and tech that they're building in order to achieve this is so clever and the stats are astonishing. In under five years, the company has turned over $100 million worth of sales with north of 100 million drinks sold. They've recently raised $60 million in a Series B round in order to conquer the US market. We talked to founder Martin Murray about why and how he started the company, the mistakes he made along the way, and something I know you're going to love, how Martin and his co-founders persuaded their co-manufacturers to pay for the machinery and trials that they needed in order to make water drop cubes a reality. Martin Murray of Waterdrop, welcome to Brand Growth Heroes. How are you doing today? I'm excellent. So nice to, to be here. I'm actually here in beautiful Vienna. Summer has finally arrived and we're quite happy. Gorgeous. So listen, Waterdrop is the most amazing success story. You commercialized your product in 2017 and you are turning over 100 million in sales. For those of our listeners who don't know Waterdrop, tell us what it is, what it looks like and where to find it. Sure. So, I mean, Waterdrop, therefore the name, is a little cube made out of fruit and plant extracts. I'll actually show you one. I have one right here. So it's a tiny little cube. We call it a micro drink. So we take fruit and plant extracts, compress them into a little cube. And then the idea is that people drop it into water. That's why Waterdrop. And make their own fresh beverages at the point of consumption. And the reason we think, or the reason I thought it was a good idea was that I got very frustrated about all these sugar water and plastic bottles that people still drink. I find them very unhealthy. I find them very unsustainable. And I believe in a world where there's no more need to bottle anything. People should just be drinking filtered tap water or tap water per se. But people like taste and functionality. So we want to provide them a great product to drop something into the water and make their own drinks. And that was virtually the idea. And since now, it feels like 20, but it was actually just six years We've been um, working very passionately about turning this idea into a business. And you certainly have. So the majority of your sales are online, isn't that right? That's the beauty of the model. So around 75% of the business is online, direct to consumer. And the beauty, that's why, because it doesn't really make sense to sell beverages online. They're too heavy. Logistic costs are too high. It's very unsustainable. A lot of CO2. And we pretty much piggyback on the platform water 
we believe water should be available or is available. You just need to filter it or drink it from the tap and then drop in, as I said, the water drop. And because our product is so light, um, it's very easy for us to sell all over the world. And that's why we use direct-to-consumer because it's not only the big logistics advantage, but it also is the, the huge advantage to be able to actually speak to customers and figure out what they actually want. So we've learned a lot across the last couple of years. And that's the beauty of direct-to-consumer. That's amazing. So look, we're going to go into that story in a minute. But one of the things I highly recommend that anyone who hasn't been onto the Waterdrop website, go onto it because it's a beautiful website. I mean, the brand is a beautiful brand. It's a very iconic brand. And even without seeing the word Waterdrop, you've got a lovely little visual identity, a little icon, which is really gorgeous. And I think once you've seen that, you can't unsee it, which is, I think, one of the powers of a visual hammer, such as the one you have. But go onto the website and when you get on there, it's not just cubes that you sell, is it? You also sell a whole system around water drop, the water drop lifestyle. Tell us a little bit about that and how important is that in your whole product and revenue mix? So excellent. Yeah, maybe before I forgot to mention, so we're predominantly online, especially in the UK, because we have not unfortunately scaled our offline that much, but we typically operate our own stores. We have 25 own stores around the world. We have one in London and in Westfield. We have a, a small little kiosk there. And we're scaling our wholesale operations. So we're in many supermarket chains and beauty stores, but the start is always online. So waterdrop.com or en.waterdrop.com. And our idea is pretty much like you said, to help people to drink more water. That is the very vague but clear brand positioning because I believe everybody should be drinking enough water that starts at two-year-olds and it goes up to 120-year-olds. That already solves a lot of the health and lifestyle problems people have. And the way we do it is we have our micro platform, like I said, our micro drinks, but we also have micro tea and warm water product with micro energy because a lot of people like being energized. And we're actually even going to go into sports with micro light. So we'll have an electrolyte product, but we complement that with drinkware because as I said, I really hate plastic bottles and I think everybody should have a sustainable glass or steel bottle, refill that at home or at work and carry it around. So we're already, if not probably the largest seller of drinkware in Europe. We put a lot of love and passion into that because it's just, it makes so much more sense than these single use plastic bottles. That's kind of the second world next to the micros. And we're also entering a third world, which is around data and water filtration. We, for instance, we launched a product that we learned from our customers that we, they would love, which we call a Lucy cap. So it's a smart cap device that you screw into your bottle and the device does not only track automatically how much water you consumed, it sends that data to our app with one of the biggest hydration apps as well. You can check that out, water drop hydration app, but it also kills all germs and bacteria with UVC technology. So the Lucy cap reminds you to drink more water. It tracks how much you actually drunk and it makes your water safer. And we pre-launched that and we learned a lot. So we typically always launch something very lean. We listen to customers. What do they actually like? What do you not like? We're most, most of the time we're right, but we often fail as well. So <laughs> and it's very good to, to also make mistakes early. And that's kind of the third world. And through Lucy, that's kind of our sub-brand. We, we also want to make the vision clearer of helping people around the world to have access to clean water. And some markets like Austria, it's a privilege, but it's, you know, it's like standard here. But there's many other markets in the world that do not have that privilege. So we want to be a brand who also helps people in areas that don't have that luxury 
to have clean drinking water. And then you can choose to either just drink water, which is fine, or put a water drop inside and put in flavor or functionality, whatever you individually desire. That's kind of the ecosystem around hydration, as we call it, we want to build. And just before going into that ecosystem, do you actually have a way in which you can execute that last bit about helping people around the world who don't have clean water to drink more water? Is that something that you're working on or is it already happening? No, we're working on it. Um, remember, it's only been five years that we have like a, a lot of products already, but we have, there's two water filtration technologies that exist. Um, the one is UVC technology that deactivates or kills germs and bacteria. And the other are charcoal filters that filter out heavy metals, chlorine, taste, odor, that kind of stuff from water. So if you combine those two technologies, you could theoretically drink water from anywhere, but some markets like the UVC more, some markets like the charcoal more. And we have, I can't tell you too much about it because they're still confidential, but we still have a lot of R&D work going on with exciting products. Once we have these products, I don't want to just help people in the Western world to filter their water, but I think it's also very exciting or I to feel it's also actually our, not only our mission, but something I just want to do to help people all around the world to have access to, to clean drinking water. Because if our brand is around helping people to drink more water, um, I want to do that on a global scale. All people, everyone. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that reminds me of, um, Something that Hamdi Yulakaya used to say to us when I was working with the Chobani team, which was that everybody should have access to great food that's accessible. And you're kind of similarly have a powerful vision about around water. What strikes me about this ecosystem that you have created is you've got a big, bold idea that solves a big friction for a huge number of people. And they feel that friction a number of times or very frequently throughout the day or the week. So there's lots of people, lots of occasions, and it's a big problem. It's kind of like the holy grail of commercial opportunities. That's like the number one thing to call out to the listeners, because I think I always try and call out the big learnings as we go through the show. So massive, big, bold idea. And then the second thing is that you've managed to create something that was really difficult for other manufacturers to create. So let's go back in time to how did you have this idea and how did you start developing it and how long did it take? Because it wasn't straightforward, was it? <laughs> so absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, it all sounds easy, but it, it was certainly not. Um, I mean, I think the the short story is that I've always been interested in the beverage landscape because it just fascinated me that you have such an enormous industry depending on the definition, we're talking about six to 700 billion in, in, in retail value and touches each and every one of us, right? Because we all need to drink something throughout the day. It tastes differ, but you all need to drink something. And it hasn't really changed for 70 years. I had that insight for a long time. Like I, I, I find it just weird. I'm an avid water drinker and I never really understood why do people drink that sugar water stuff? Why did the plastic bottles exist? Why do all these big beverage guys just come up with the next color of a product? And there's, there's very little innovation compared to other areas. And I did my MBA actually in, in, in Singapore and my mom came to visit me. I'm half Scottish, half Austrian. That's why I have a bit of a, a weird dialect. And um, we were flying from, I can remember, we went to Hong Kong to visit and we were on a plane from Singapore to Hong Kong. And in a plane, you're typically asked, what do you want to drink? And I always order water. I just drink water. And... Um, so we ordered water and we were looking at our cups of water. And then we said, wouldn't it be cool? That was literally the idea 
to have something on us that we could put into the water now to give it a bit of spice, a bit of pep, because we were commenting how silly it actually is to put heavy beverages on a plane. That's why you have these tiny little cans. Your space is very expensive. And then it's somehow just, it's hard to explain. It just clicked in my mind. I just said it makes so much sense to have something small, convenient you put into water, right? You don't have to bottle anything anymore. You can use water as a platform. You, It's so much more sustainable, like minimal packaging, minimal CO2. You can sell it online. And, and, and then I just saw a very vague picture of what it could look like, right? And that thought, I think it was like in probably February or March, 2015, it never left me. And during that Hong Kong trip, I actually just thought about that idea. We spoke about it. And then what typically happens is you do a lot of research, you figure out, you know, what's on the market, what's not. You're often surprised that it doesn't exist already. You have some adjacent stuff, right? You have like conventional tablets, you have powder, you have syrup, but they're all for many different reasons, nowhere near what I would have wanted to build. Were you thinking that other companies are already trying to address this friction, but nobody's doing it in the way they should be, or no one's doing it if they were to start from what does perfect look like? No one's going out with that idea in mind, are they? Exactly. Everybody's Everything's been around for a while already. Every, everybody's tried stuff. It's just a matter of how well do you want to execute it? How much love and passion and energy do you want to put into making something great? It's very easy to make something, very hard to make something great. And I just knew that if you want to change that landscape, it would have to be done on a very bold and beautiful and just very, very convenient way for customers. And I, I spent a lot of time in R&D then asking companies, how do you make this? And then you learn, okay, this is not possible. This is not possible. And that's not possible. And then you ask, why not? Why not? Why not? And then after several months, the conclusion is always, it's not possible because nobody's ever tried it. Um, why can't you take fruit and plants and compress them? Why is that so hard? Why can't you not you know, make a cube? Why is it extremely impossible to you know, make something high without getting into technicalities? Why did you not package it that way, et cetera, et cetera? And then the answer is because nobody's done it because it, it makes no sense, right? To, to have the energy and the passion to, to do two years of R&D without any high probability of success, without any knowledge, without any money, quite frankly, it's just very, very irrationally. But I just saw in my mind it had to exist, just made so much sense for me. Were you working at this point or had you given up your job? No, so I had the, the, the research. I used my MBA to, to do a lot of research on the concept. And, you know, we had all the PowerPoints and ideas and a lot of passionate brainstorming. But the, the hard part was really getting the prototype. And it, it was really hard because, first of all, we were nobody. We didn't, we have no credibility in the industry. We were speaking to very large companies. We didn't have any money. So we had to persuade large co corporations to pretty much pay for the R&D work to get their prototype. So how did you do that? Because that's a big thing for all of the listeners. How do you get a co-manufacturer, as we would call it, to actually pay for that piece of innovation? <laughs> yes, it's, um, I think, I guess you have to be authentically passionate. You need all the rational arguments, right? You have to have the market research and you have to be very, you have to be able to clearly articulate why there's a commercial opportunity here. And for me, it was about bringing different industries together. The beauty of our research was it wasn't one company. I needed four or five pieces of the puzzle to, to bring it together. And to be very honest, the way to do that is to speak to each part of the puzzle individually 
until that piece of the puzzle that all the other parts are solved except your part. And um, if five different puzzle pieces work under the assumption that it's them to solve that the remaining problem and all do that at the same time, you have a beautiful agglomeration of smart people who solve the problem and then it all came together and it was solved. And if you don't do it that way, the amount of uncertainty and questions and risks and and holes to poke into a concept are so high that it it would never happen. So it's hard. It's very hard. um, But that's the way we did it. And we thankfully had people who believed in us. They believed in the vision. They believed in, in, in us to pull it through. And we had amazing partners who could pull their weight because with, again, without going into complex details, it's, it was really, really hard technically to make, like, it sounds easy. Okay. Make a fruit powder, compress it package. We had to develop everything ourselves, the recipe, the compression technology. We had to build special machines to enable us to make a cube. We had to build all the manufacturing ourselves. We, we pretty much built a manufacturing plant. We now have two manufacturing plants. All the machines, all the equipment is we built from scratch. And we are speaking about big machines. And that we in our production side, we have like a lot of people now doing nothing but producing water drop. Just a couple of things to point out here to pull out, because we use you on the growth strategy program as a big case study all the way through the six weeks that we bring founders to try and build a strategy that is sustainable and that is going to drive serious growth. And there's a couple of things you've said there. So not only your product ecosystem that you're developing is multifaceted and in a way locks people into the water drop lifestyle. Actually, your internal system that you've built locks people out. So you've built your own manufacturing plants. You've got a technology that's really difficult to recreate or to copy. You have built capabilities, internal capabilities. You've got people who know how to do stuff and machinery that knows how to do stuff that nobody else can copy easily. So this idea of barriers to entry is also a massive part of your capabilities as a business, right? Absolutely. So the the bad news was that it was very, very hard to to make. (laughs) We could have taken shortcuts in many ways, but we did not. Um, The good news is that it's extremely hard to emulate. And um, given uh, the current environment, as you know, with all the supply chain shakeup, it's a huge advantage to own your own production, to own your own supply chain, to know exactly what goes into the product and that it's geographically also close. So yeah, it was in, in, in hindsight, it was, um, I guess it was a good move. Was it hugely expensive and did you have to get funding to help you on that journey? Because I can imagine people listening to this saying, well, you know, how could I do that? How could I possibly build manufacturing plants or buy machines or make machines? So it was incredibly expensive, but we had no money. I don't come from money and we didn't have big investors. We had a few angel investors, but we, we it was nothing. You would be surprised how little money we had. Um, what we did is we, we, we built a prototype and then we, after we knew it works, we got the, the co-packer, as you call it, the manufacturing partner, who's a great partner, to build a first small machine. And we paid for it by telling them, look, for the first year, pretty much, we're just going to purchase from you. So we have exclusivity and you allocate the cost of the production onto the product. So the product cost was higher because we didn't have any money, right? So what is supposed to do. And then after we had the first small machine and we pretty much maxed that out, we built a larger machine with a similar deal. And then we built a larger machine with a similar deal. So you paid off your machine every time you bought a batch of product? Yes, but they also helped us finance it. So they said, okay, we would we do a deal, but 
you can say, okay, we, they can help you purchase the product. So the, the lines were actually at the partners. They were in our books. We own them, but they helped um, finance them pretty much for the fact that we're um, exclusive there. And then at some point we, we, we got larger and larger. And then we said, look, it makes sense to have our own manufacturing as well, because Again, a disadvantage of having only one source is it's just one source. So it's quite risky, right? So we have, um, we, we did a second one now and um, then we, we had a different setup back then. And once you have a functional business, you can also get loans to, to, to finance machines. If you have nothing and no business, <laughs> no bank in the world is going to finance you. So you have to be financially creative and frugal at the same time. Yeah. And have partners that believe in you so that those big commercial arguments and really understanding the opportunity and being articulate and credible when you're standing up, getting them to buy into this idea is so key, isn't it? And seeing them as partners, you keep using the word partner and having partners rather than just suppliers is so key. If you're the smart founder of a scaling grocery brand and you're inspired by what you learn on Brand Growth Heroes, Why not check out our online business accelerator for founders who want to take their growth to the next level? The Growth Strategy Program is a six-week online learning course which offers a suite of bespoke lessons, tools, one-to-one coaching, group workshops, and access to a growing network of support from smart founders of grocery brands just like you. You can find out more by going to fionafitzconsulting.com and then clicking Online Courses. Then just press Register Your Interest Today. Thanks again to Strong Roots, simple, real food. So that very first product that you launched, the very first iteration that went out onto the market to be commercialized, what did that look like? Did it look like what we see today on the marketplace, the cube and the bottles or what was it? So the honest answer was, you know, after spending so much time in R&D, because as a side note, the, the issue we had with water drop is that we were, we're, we're pretty much an iPad invention. Nobody ever asked for us. Nobody ever knew what we're talking about. Once we launched, everybody was like, what is this? You know, nobody asked for it. So we had no market research and stuff. And the only opportunity we had to actually get real feedback was actually having a prototype. But it took us almost two years to have the prototype. So once we were done with having a first product that worked, we were just so happy that we had a physical product. We didn't care how it looked, how it tasted, how it dissolved. It was actually, it was really, really bad. But it was a product, right? It was done. We had something to finally, after two years of blood, sweat and tears, show people. And then we were able to show people and then people started to get it. They were like, okay, this is really bad, but actually makes sense because of ABC. And then it's easier for investors to understand. And at that point, we we, we took up um, some more angel investors because they could finally understand what we were talking about for, for a long while. And what we did is then we had this big idea at the beginning. So the cubes look somewhat the same, packaging somewhat the same, recipe very, very different. Recipe has, has, has changed a lot over, over the years. I mean, you have to, I would say you start with an iPhone 1 and then you go up to iPhone 10, whatever. So each, each version is better. But what we did is we had this initial idea of being a B2B company because we didn't have any money and we didn't have a lot of marketing budget, or actually no budget. So we said, let's do big boxes of 48 units and sell them to companies like you know law firms or hotels or fancy places that would buy them for their staff because companies for sure want to save plastic bottles and help them help the people to drink more water. They're going to buy it, and then we'll, that's like our Trojan horse. And then people will discover it and buy it online. That was like the strategy. And then <laughs> reality was, product wasn't good enough. 
companies are far more stingy than I thought. And it was just far too slow, the sales process. Like we, we took weeks to sell one box of like 29 euros. So we realized after two months on the market that if we continue that, we would die very quickly. So after two years of R&D, we start on the market, then you get slapped by the market. And then we realized this is not working. So we switched completely and we, we said, okay, let's do B2C earlier. So we opened a pop-up store in one of the busiest streets here in Vienna, and we spoke face-to-face -face with customers all day. So our work was like for months, being in a shop from nine to six, whatever, and speaking to customers, then going back to the office for our normal job. So we worked crazy um, at that time. And you did this personally? Yes, of course. You know, we were a small team. We were like, um, we, we were like four or five people. It was um, the fun days or the dark days, however, however you want to call it. <laughs> the interesting thing is what we, we learned what customers actually wanted. So we changed the recipe, we changed the positioning, we changed the marketing, we changed the packaging, we changed the pricing, we changed everything. What hadn't you got right or what needed to change in terms of the flavors or the recipes? So the recipes were far too salty, far too sweet. Um, they didn't dissolve in the right way. They didn't have enough fruit extracts. Um, our names that we used were very confusing. They weren't clear enough. The pricing was weird. Um, we had... 48 boxes, which made no sense because people don't want to buy 48 drinks of a flavor they don't know. They want to have smaller packages. And so then we went to 12. So all these things. And then it was a great time because seeing customers actually interact with the product is like the best and most honest feedback you can get. You can sell, you can send people surveys, you can look how they act digitally. That's all good now. With 2 million customers online, we, we know how to do that. But Back in the days, face-to-face -face was, it still is, it's, it's the most powerful there is. And I would recommend everybody take that extremely serious because that's the most relevant feedback. And that's what we did. And then we launched. And since then, that was like, what was it, January 2017? Since then, we've just been improving, 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 improving. And we still are, to be honest. So that's, that's the short answer of how we started. So 100 million in revenue, is it like just coming up to 100 million or over 100 million? It will be way over 100 million this year. Wow, way over 100 million. Okay. Any like way over, what does that mean? It means significantly over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, significantly over. So 75% online, how does that split across markets? So we're still pretty big in the Dach region, horrible world, but, but that's Austria, Germany, and, and Switzerland. Um, that's our biggest region. And then we have a close follower race between France and the US. Um, the US is growing strongly. Um, and then we have 11 other countries in Europe. We have a, quite a big CE business. We have Netherlands, Italy, the UK. Unfortunately, we, we weren't able to do as much for various political reasons also. Um, the supply chain was, was, was quite complicated during Brexit, for instance, and we just focused on, on other markets. But um, we want to be everywhere, like you said. Do you have fun, you know, just playing on Excel or back of fag packet saying to yourself, OK, well, brand awareness in our DAC region, you said to me, is like 25% and we're already X million in these markets. If our brand awareness gets to that in the UK and Asia and America, how big will the business be? For us, it's about, firstly, it was about proving that we don't only work in Austria and Germany, but we also work in different countries with different cultures, with different tap water consumption. So that was quite interesting to see that the, the macro trends 
are the same everywhere. They're the same in the Czech Republic as the US, UK, Italy. Everybody wants to be more healthy. Everybody wants to be more sustainable. People like choice. There's no one size fits all. There's very different tastes. And people like beautiful things and high quality things more than, than cheaper things. You know, that's like very universal. And everybody agrees with the fact that we should all be drinking more water. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you haven't had to teach that. Marketing strategy really is all about changing behaviors, isn't it? Because if you don't change a consumer's behavior, they're going to continue doing what they did before, which is either not buying you or buying you once and not buying you again. So if we look at this idea of changing behavior around people drinking more water, you didn't have to teach people that they needed to do this, which lots of brands come to the market and they have to. There's a big education piece, you know, and people love saying that, oh, you know, it's difficult for us, big education piece. You guys were piggybacking on the fact that everybody knows they need to drink more water. That's true, but it, it's not as easy as it sounds, to be honest. So it was very hard to explain the product and the concept because nobody really knows what a new product is, right? If you show, like, I'll just show you a packaging, for instance, right? This is our 12-pack packaging. If you put this on a shelf or if you show it to people, nobody knows what it is, right, from afar. Is this chewing gum? Is this dog food? You know, like, it, it could be anything, so the amount of time and effort it goes into explaining people the concept, why it's better to just use filtered tap water and make your drinks yourself rather than grabbing something heavy from a shelf. People know it, but people also know that they should be drinking um, less alcohol. They should stop smoking. They should be um, eating more healthy foods. They still do it, right? Who's eating and drinking all that stuff um, because it's it's convenient and, and, and people like it. So we never thought about the brand being authoritative. We don't want to tell people, don't do this, don't do that. You know, it's bad. Um, like some others do. It's, I, I always find it weird when a brand has to tell you, don't eat this or don't do that. We said, look, we know drinking enough water is hard, but we believe it's a very good thing to do for various reasons. And we're going to help you with various ideas. You know, we have great tastes. We have great functionalities. We have beautiful bottles. We have an app that reminds you. We have all these different things that help you to ultimately drink more. And if you drink five water drops a day, great. If you drink none, but you drink enough water through a brand, also great. And um, it's a very vague value proposition at the beginning because some of the early investors said, you know, it's not clear enough. You have to be much clearer and must focus on the exact benefits, you know, of the product like others do, like drink me because of A, B, C, D, E. And we said, no, it's, it's better to be broader and more inspirational. And we think we can build a much more, a much more beautiful, long-term and sustainable and also authentic brand around drinking more water. But it's not its not so easy to actually build that bridge between I know I should be drinking more water and I know I should be consuming this product. So tell us about if it's difficult to explain to people what it is, and obviously 75% of your sales online, that job comes down to your online presence and marketing. So Obviously, an awful lot of effort must go into that and an awful lot of investment must go into that. It does. And it's the good news about online is you can scale very quickly. So you can very easily with a small team, right? We're still very small, show ads all around the world. And that's the beauty of online marketing. You can press a few buttons and you can virtually tell the world who you are. And the hard part is to really tailor it to specific markets, to be really crisp in your copy, to be really crisp in your visual there where it, it, it gets messy. But you're right, the absolute majority of our marketing goes into online because we 
as a frugal company, as a young company, you have to be very clear about where you spend money, where not. Especially in marketing, it's very easy to spend money. There's a lot of great ideas out there that you can do, but it's very hard to honestly evaluate the impact of specific marketing. That's why performance marketing, the way we built our business is so important because you can track where every pound went right away, right? You can see, was it a good investment or not? But we also do a lot of offline marketing in a sense that I believe it's extremely important to be where our customers are, a customer shop in the local supermarket shop, in the local beauty store. So we want to be there as well. And in a way, being on a shelf is marketing as well. A lot of people pass a shelf and they see you again. And we also operate our own stores where you have a physical chance to test the product and see a product, et cetera. Um, and all that together builds a holistic brand experience. And the bigger you get as a brand, the more diversified your marketing channels have to be. At the beginning, we were just performance and just super lean and just that. And the bigger we got, the more other stuff we did, right? You can do influencer marketing. Then you can also do TV, which was interesting. You mentioned TV yesterday on LinkedIn. You talked about some of the mistakes that you've made along the way, the bumpy ride, as you call it. Can you elaborate on that? What you were talking about a TV ad? Oh, we've made so many mistakes. Um, one of the interesting things was because TV is, is, is a beautiful media. People still watch a lot more TV than they admit. Like people think TV is dead. It's very much not dead. And what we did is to show you the, the fun of being a young company during COVID. Um, I think it was, I can't even remember, two or three years, the, the big football event was that the European Championship was cancelled. So all the big companies out there had uh, TV campaigns lined up, right? Which you usually have at like a big football tournament, the usual brands doing their TV stuff. So you had the effect of all the big brands canceling their TV campaigns, plus everybody watching like triple the amount of TV because everybody was locked down and all the sellers on the TV stations having no customers. So we got, we got like incredible deals to, to book TV across Europe, which had like triple the impact and cost like a fraction of that. But to do that, they were like, okay, we need a spot in like one week. <laughs> <laughs> so during lockdown, we somehow had to, do a TV spot that we've never done before. And it was, yeah, of course it wasn't perfect, but we, we got it done and, and we tried several things and the effect of the TV was great because we got such a good deal, but right, you, have, you have to be able to take these kind of decisions of running a European TV campaign within one week. And so those are the kind of things you have to do and you have to accept that of course it's not going to be perfect, but it was okay. Right. And, um, Oftentimes done is, is better than perfect. And often as well, you just have to make sure it's a hundred percent. In that case, we were fine with like the, the 30% version of it. And that's one example. And we've tried so many other things that failed. Uh, we were wrong. And the trick is to be honest uh, and admit that you're wrong. People hang on to ideas because it was theirs or they want to prove um, that it might work eventually. And we have a mindset of testing things very early. And if it works, great, we do more. If it doesn't work, you just forget it and, and do something else. So what is next for Waterdrop? Where are your next big pushes going to be? So there's a lot of work to be done. We're still a small brand. Um, I think the, the priority at the moment is really building out the US, which is very exciting. So we're building out a small team in Miami. We're opening something in Los Angeles. Um, we have a small um, store, actually, we're opening in New York. Um, we're growing extremely in the US. So it's really fun to see that you can grow a US business from, from Europe, which is not really normal. Um, we're discussing opening many more stores. We're discussing some new partners for wholesale, 
We want to make sure we have the right partners there. And that, of course, takes a lot of effort. So that's the U.S. Then at the same time, we have some very exciting products coming up around the Lucy world, as I told you. So water filtration, I think, is just incredibly important because if you want to solve all this bottled water and bottled sugar water issue, you need to make sure people have clean tap water. So that's another one. And I think the third one and the most complex of all is, is really building the organization. That's where you learn the most. And that's where it's, it's the most important one to do because at the end of the day, no matter how good your product is and your strategy and whatever, it's only about people. And it's very, very different running a company of five people, 20 people, 50, a hundred, 200, and now like up to 300, it changes all the time. So it requires you to change all the time requires the art of having the right people at the right time, the right job. So that that's a huge priority, I guess, for any business. But if you add multi-country, multi-product, multi-channel together with fast growth, <laughs> it, it gets, um, yeah, it gets fun, but it's, it's a big challenge. Well, look, we wish you all the very best on this next stage of your journey. I mean, it's really, really incredible what you've achieved so far, you and your team. And we're looking forward to seeing more of Water Drop in the UK. Thank you so much, Martin, for coming on the show today. It's been really lovely to talk to you. Thank you, Fiona. Thanks again to Strong Roots, simple, real food. 